Welcome to week three of our four-week world tour series. Those of you who, are, who call Ivan Rest Church, Church Home, you know that we do this every November. We focus on what it means to go out, what it means to bring the truth and the kingdom of God all around the world for the month of November. This is week three, which means next week is week four, which means it's pig roast week. So we're going to wrap up our series with the pig roast next Sunday for lunch. If you haven't signed up yet, Monday is the deadline. You can sign up online. If you don't want to do it online, Andrew will be right in the middle of the narthex with a sign-up sheet. Make sure you sign up. If you're just brand new to Ivan Rest, we'd love to have you come join us. Um, we're going to get to know each other better over that. We're going to celebrate our World Tour series. We're going to have a few of our missionaries around that you'll get a chance to talk with on a more personal basis. I hope you'll join us and hope you'll sign up for that. Um, that celebration will cap off our four-week four journey this year that we've done of of traveling with the Apostle Paul, hearing Paul's call to go and learning what that means for us and our call to go as well. We've been learning our story through Paul's story. If you were here last week, you, uh, you were challenged. We were guided by Josh and Mandy Sharda, our missionaries to Uganda, uh, of how we learn to hear and discern God's call to go. How do we hear God saying go and and where specifically is he calling each one of us to be his voice, to be his hands and his feet? Because some of us are called to go far away like they were. Some of us are called to stay close by. We all have been called to go, right? We looked at Paul's story. Paul, who is called so dramatically, right? He's riding on his horse to go persecute the Christians, and, and he gets knocked to the ground by, by the light of the glory of Jesus Christ himself. And he hears Jesus' words saying, Paul. Paul, you're mine. He hears God's calling so clearly, he can't deny it. And we learn, we hear that calling too. Maybe we don't have that bright light, but each of us has the calling from God to make a difference for his kingdom in this world. Right? Conver we talked about conversion and calling, they go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. But we were also honest about that calling. That when we hear God's call in our lives, there's a sacrifice to be made. There's a price to be paid in order to be obedient to God. Following God's call to go isn't simplistic. It isn't always easy. For Paul, he paid a high price. He sacrificed a lot to be obedient to God. Now, he wouldn't change a thing. If he had to do it all over again, he would do it all over again. He's not looking for sympathy for all he sacrificed, he would choose it all again. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's easy for him. Doesn't mean it's easy for us when we say yes to God's call. And that made me wonder over the past week. Made me ask the question, thinking about Paul's journey and Paul's life. How in the world did Paul have the courage to go as God called, and then to keep on going for the rest of his life when the sacrifice was so great, when the, when the cost was high. You know, read, read through the book of Acts sometime. I challenge you to do that. It's not that long of a book. Paul, a lot of it is Paul's story of his journey. Follow Paul's journey and, and, and look at how many times there was a price to be paid for saying yes to God's call to go, right? I read through that and I think how many times my courage would have failed. How many times if I had to experience what Paul experienced, I would have said, enough, God. 
that's enough. I'm done. Right? You'll get to Acts chapter 14 where, where Paul is busy doing ministry in the city of Iconium. And suddenly, while he's there, a group of people threaten his life. They, they're plotting to kill him. So he, so he sneaks out of that city and goes to a neighboring town of, of Lystra. But these people who hate him so much, who hate his message, chase him down to Lystra. They find him. They stone him. They stone him so badly that they, they, they assume he's dead. They toss his body outside the city. Oh, he's not dead. Paul comes to again after being stoned. And what does he do? Does he run away? It says he goes right back into the city again. I would have said, enough, God. That's just the start, though. Go to two chapters later. He's in Philippi. Paul is there, and it says that he's arrested. He's stripped in the public square. He's beaten with rods and thrown in prison. (laughs) That's not too much. He keeps on doing ministry. You get to two chapters later, he's in Corinth, and it says that the people in Corinth abused him, brought him to court, and he put him on trial. Enough, God. It's not enough. Go two chapters later in Acts chapter 20, and Paul hears God's call to go back to Jerusalem, and he says yes to that, to that, to that calling, even though he knows that when he gets there, he's going to be beaten, he's going to be arrested. He's most likely going to lose his life, and sure enough, that's exactly what happens, and he goes. Makes me wonder how in the world does someone like that have the courage to keep on going? And how can you and I, how can you and I find the courage to say yes when God says go, whatever that means for each of us, and then to keep on going? Because let's be honest here this morning. We need courage. We need courage because the easiest thing for us to do is to not go when God says go. The easiest thing for us to do is not to go to Africa or or Uganda or Romania or wherever God might be calling, or Nicaragua. The easiest thing is not to go. The easiest thing for us would be to not go to downtown Grand Rapids when God lays in our heart to go and serve there. The easiest thing for us would be to not build that relationship with that neighbor. It's a lot easier just to wave to them as we're pulling into the driveway and then hit our garage door so that we never have to be outside and say hi. We've got enough people in our lives, right? The easiest thing is to just ignore that neighbor and keep it at a friendly surface level. The easiest thing for us is to say no when God says, you know that kid in school who nobody talks to, who everybody ignores? Why don't you be their friend? The easiest thing is to say no. We can safe, if we say no to God's call, then we can safely sit on the couch in our basement and watch football and watch movies and not worry about it. If we say no, then we can keep our social connections to our friends and our family and not have to branch out beyond those. It's easy. It's easiest just to say no. We need courage. You know, I, I was thinking, as I was thinking about this, I was, a story in my life. I remember when I was just a kid, yay tall, taking beginner swimming lessons. I was so good at beginner swimming lessons, I got, I got, I got to do it twice because I failed the first time, all right? I'm not, I'm not the world's top swimmer, okay? I can remember this moment in my life very clearly. I think I told this story before, but, but I'm in beginner swimming lessons for the first time, and it came to the time when, when it's time to jump in the deep end. We've been in the shallow end the whole time. And now it's time to jump in the deep end. 
I was terrified because I knew the deep end is where small children go to sink to the bottom, never to come up again. Okay? And I was terrified. Just a little kid, I can remember getting to the back of the line, bawling my eyes out because I knew I was going to die. Okay? Looking up at the bleachers, I was in the school, you know, school pool, and looking up at the bleachers, seeing my mom sitting there reading her book. Okay, that traumatized my relationship with my mom for years, okay? She didn't care that I was about to die. She didn't care her youngest son is about to drown, okay? And even though all the other kids in the front of the line jumped in and survived it, that didn't change anything for me. I was sure I was going to die. came to be my turn, and I planted my feet, and I wasn't going anywhere. There's no way they were going to make me jump. And I had my feet planted strongly, and without me knowing it, somebody came up behind me, grabbed me, and threw me in. And I survived. And I actually loved it. And I asked if I could do it again. They said, no. I can't figure that out. Suddenly I had the courage, right? Suddenly I had the courage because I went and it happened. Now, God does not usually do that for us. Okay, God gives us a calling. He doesn't usually grab us by the shoulders and say, oh, there you go. I'm going to throw you in. I'm going to force you into the deep end. It's not the way God usually works. Sometimes, but not usually. Usually the way God works is he says, here's the deep end, where the adventure is, where the calling is, where you can make a kingdom impact, and I invite you to go here or there and do this or do that. Now, will you do it? He leaves us on on the side of the pool and says, will you jump? I'll be there. It's going to be awesome. It's scary, yeah, but will you jump? And that's the question that you and I have to answer. How do we find the courage? Because it takes courage to step off the side of the pool and jump into the deep end. It takes courage to say, yeah, God, I know you've asked me to talk to him, to talk to her, to go here, to do that, to serve there. I'm scared. I'm scared. How do I jump in? How do we find that courage? Well, we're going to learn a little bit about that this morning from an Old Testament man who was called by God to go, to jump into the deep end, and he found the courage to obey. Take out your Bibles. If you haven't already, turn to Joshua chapter 1, page 222 in the Bibles in front of you. And while you're looking that up, Joshua chapter 1, let me set the, set the stage for you here. Okay, Moses has led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Right? He led them to the border of the promised land where their courage failed, right? Remember God said, go into the promised land. They said, no way. No way, we're not going there. So he said, okay, you can wander in the desert for 40 years instead. Moses has been their leader for 40 years, and now they're, they're back standing on the border of the promised land. And Moses, who has been their hero, who has led them all these years, dies right there on the border. And now God calls Joshua to go. He says, I've got something for you, Joshua. Listen to his calling, verses 1 through 5. We'll start there. As after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. 
Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea to the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay, so stop there for a moment. Here, here is God's call to Joshua to go. Right, go. Go lead these people, these Israelite people, into the promised land. And, and we have the privilege of being able to read to the end of the story, right? We can read the story and say, yeah, it's going to be great. Oh, absolutely. God makes it happen. Joshua doesn't have that at this point. Okay, he doesn't, he doesn't have the end of the story written yet. And when he receives this calling right here, God's saying, hey, you, Joshua, lead these people and go into the promised land. There is plenty of reason for him to be afraid. There are plenty of reasons for him not to have the courage to say, okay, let's go. Right, think about it for a moment, what we just read. right? Verse 1 reminds us that Moses... The spectacular hero of Israel, the ones who led them out of Egypt with the, the ten plagues and, and did miracle after miracle. Moses is dead now. He's the leader of all leaders, and now Joshua is supposed to fill his shoes. I, I can only imagine there's a, a significant amount of doubt that he would be able to follow in Moses' footsteps. I mean, anybody in leadership knows that, that how dangerous it is to follow the greatest leader of all times. There's no way you're going to measure up. There's no way the people are going to follow like you, like they followed him. So Joshua should have his doubts. He should be afraid to step into the footsteps of Moses. Right? Verse 2 then reminds us who God is calling him to lead. To lead all these people this whole nation of Israel. If anything, knowing that he's leading the people of Israel, Joshua should expect failure because these people have proven themselves again and again to be stiff-necked and rebellious and frustrating. Right? As great of a godly man as Moses was, how many times did you read the Old Testament story don't you find these people rebelling against Moses, doubting him, wanting a different leader? It gets so bad at one point, remember? God finally says, look, Moses, step back, because I'm going to kill them all. I've had enough of these people. I, I can't stand them anymore. And Moses intervenes and calls God off. But even God gave up on him at one point. Right? This is not an easy group to lead. Joshua should expect failure. He should be afraid to lead this nation. And at the end of verse 2, God tells Joshua, the specific calling that he's asking him to do. Joshua is to cross the Jordan into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Sounds pretty tame to us here today. But crossing the Jordan is a fearful thing. Remember, they tried this before. Go back 40 years. 40 years previous, they stood right here on the border and God said, go in. I'm going to give you the land. And they said, uh-uh, no way. We're not going there. Remember they sent the spies in? The spies came back and said, you need to be afraid. You need to be afraid. Here's their words. It says, they said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. 
The people are stronger. They're taller than we are. The cities are large. They have walls up to the sky. We even saw Anakites, giants there. Those were all the reasons that they were afraid. And they refused to go in before. You know what? None of that has changed in 40 years. Everything they were afraid of before is still there. There's still armies to be feared. There's still cities to be feared. There's still impenetrable walls to be feared. There's still giants in the land to be feared. All the reasons to stop them 40 years ago are there to stop them now. Joshua should be afraid of the giants that are waiting for him across the Jordan River. There's plenty of reasons why Joshua should be afraid. And there's plenty of reasons why you and I are afraid when God calls us. There are plenty of giants that still roam our lives right now. Giants that stand in the way of us saying yes to God's calling because we're afraid. Right? And we should be afraid of them. Right? Think about the giants that keep us from going when God says go. Right? God gives us opportunities. He gives us kingdom purposes. Whether, whether they're big ones, whether God has said to your heart, yeah, you need to go across the ocean. Or whether God says, you need to go across the street and talk to your neighbor. Or whether God simply says, you need to, you need to write that note, send that card, make that phone call, whatever it is. Whatever God calls you to do. Maybe God's called you to go far away. Maybe he's called you to build a relationship with a neighbor. Maybe he's called you to to go by giving generously and supporting others. And you know what? When you hear that calling, the giant of popularity will paralyze you with fear of what others might think if you go talk to that kid down the hall or if you bring that person to church with you. And the giant of hedonism will paralyze you with fear as you think about all the earthly pleasure and comfort you might lose if you say yes to God. And the giant of materialism will paralyze you with fear that if you are generous, there won't be enough for you to live the way that you want to live your life and there won't be enough for you to retire comfortably the way you want to retire. And the giant of failure will paralyze you with fear telling you that you're not good enough You're not strong enough. You're not holy enough. And how embarrassing will it be if you fail? And all of these giants rise up and they instill fear in our hearts and fear then dissolves our courage. And we don't go. We don't make the call. We don't write the note. We don't build the relationship. We don't make the friend. We don't go far away when God calls us to go. Joshua did not let that fear dissolve his courage. He did not let the giants win. How did he do that? How did he find the courage to go? God didn't grab him by the shoulders and throw him in. Didn't throw him into the deep end. Instead, God gave him the invitation to go, and then he gave him the courage to go. And he'll do the same for you and for me if we'll let him. Keep reading. Listen to the words that God speaks to Joshua in verses 6 through 9. Okay, 1 through 5, he gave his calling. Here's where I want you to go. Here's what I want you to do. 
And here's what he says to him then. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Be strong. Be courageous. Those are the words that God speaks to Joshua again and again and again. If you read this book, it gets repeated. Be strong. Be courageous. Powerful words of encouragement. But words aren't enough, are they? If words were enough for us, then I could say, hey, be strong and courageous. And you all say, okay, let's go. We'd be gone already. We'd be doing whatever God asks. When God called Joshua to go, he gave Joshua three specific gifts, three things, three promises to cultivate great courage within him, three reasons for him to be courageous. And I think he gives those reasons to us as well. Listen to these. So first of all, God, in verse 6, God gives Joshua, God gives us his purpose. His purpose. So Joshua can go with courage because he knows that it isn't a purpose. It isn't a, a, a calling that Joshua designed himself that he has to wonder about. No, this is God's design. This is God's plan. God tells him in verse 6 to be strong and courageous. Why can he be strong? Why can he be courageous? He says, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their, forf I swore to their forefathers to give them. In other words, this is my plan, Joshua. This is not your design. This is mine. I have made this promise, and I have this all planned out. And so go into the promise and say, yes, there's armies waiting for you. There's walls waiting for you. There's giants waiting for you. I know that, and I have a plan. I have a plan. And that's enough to give great courage instead of fear. If, if you and I seriously, if we've listened over the last couple of weeks, and if we seriously listen and discern God's calling in our lives, if we're open and quiet enough and in his word enough and say, God, I want to hear where you're sending me to go. If we hear that, that calling, if we discern it with, with people who we, who we love and trust, who we know know us, who we know know God and confirm that calling, then we can go with courage, right? Even when it's frightening, even when it's scary, because we can trust that where God guides, and he's clearly guided, and he provides. So if God has called you to serve, don't you think he'll equip you to serve? And if God has called you to give generously, don't you think he'll equip you to be able to give generously? And if God has called you to go far away, don't you think he'll equip you to be able to do that? To be able to pick up and move and start a new life over there? If God has called you to befriend a neighbor 
or a classmate, don't you think he'll equip you to be able to be a good friend? When we're following God's leading, his purpose, then, then we can find courage that we're knowing, we know we're following his plan. And, and get this, God doesn't just then send Joshua on his way. He said, that's my plan, now go, go do it. He doesn't send Joshua on his way into the promised land without any directions. Instead, God gives Joshua his direction for success. And did, did you just catch that at the very end of verse 8? Just one phrase that should really catch our ears. He ends those verses by saying, then you will be prosperous and successful. In our world, a lot of people are looking to be prosperous. A lot of people are looking to be successful. So if the Bible says, then you will be prosperous and successful, the question is to come up and say, okay, what comes before that? I want to be prosperous. I want to be successful. So what does it take to be prosperous and successful? Well, God tells us right here. Listen to verse 7 and 8. He starts by saying, be strong and very courageous. And here's how you become prosperous and successful. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. These verses really should be some of, the most, some of the most popular verses in the Bible. Here's how you get to be prosperous. Here's how you get to be successful. The answer is obedience. Not the answer we want to hear. We want some kind of magic formula, don't we? God says it's obedience. It's obedience. The secret to being prosperous and successful, obedience. God designed you. God designed me. He designed me. He knows how we work the best. He knows how we're wired and designed. He knows the best way for us to live. And in this book, he says, I'm going to give you directions on how to live the best. It's right here. And if we truly believe that God knows what's best for us, okay, we can say that, but do we really believe it? If we truly believe that God knows what's best for us, then we'll have the courage to follow his directions. When God says, I want you to go there, don't you think he knows what's best for you? Going there is what's best for you. He says, I'll walk with you. I'll show you. Trust me. Follow my plan. Follow my directions. Right? Joshua proved that to be true. Right? Soon after he entered the promised land, maybe you remember the story, one of the first things that happens is they, they cross over the Jordan River and they come to the city of Jericho. And Jericho is one of those cities to be feared with walls higher than they can imagine that they were. And there's no way that their army can get in there. And God says to Joshua, just take these people on a hike. For six days, hike around the city one time. On the seventh day, hike around the city seven times and I'll give you victory. Makes no military sense. Makes no sense whatsoever. And you know what Joshua does? He says, okay, if that's your direction, God, then that's exactly what I'll do. And he leads these people. I'm sure they're very skeptical. This is inaugural leading, right? I'm sure they're thinking, what kind of leader is this? What is he thinking? But Joshua says, you, you gave me that direction, God? I'll do it. Even though I have no clue what that's going to do. And on the seventh day, they marched seven times, and the walls come crumbling down, and victory 
is theirs. Joshua trusted, he obeyed, and God's purposes were served. He was prosperous and successful. Now, we may, you and I may need to redefine prosperity in our minds. We may need to go with God's definition of success, not the definition that the prosperity preachers teach nowadays. If you want to know what prosperity looks like, if you want to know what a successful life feels like, then courageously pursue God's purposes and obediently follow his direction for living because that's where fullness is found. That's where true joy and contentment is found. All the other definitions of success and prosperity promise fulfillment and they always fail. They always leave you empty. They always leave you longing for more. The only way to truly be prosperous and successful is to follow God's direction for living. Hear his voice and trust and obey. That's where you'll find joy. Fullness of life. Okay? And if that isn't enough, to inject a healthy dose of courage into our hearts and in our lives, courage enough to say yes when God says go, God cultivates that courage one more time for Joshua and for us by giving us himself. Right, verse 9. Verse 9, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Okay, so he recognizes that there's reason to be afraid. There's reason to be terrified. Don't be discouraged. God recognizes there's reason to be for discouragement. So don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Here's how it works. God, God doesn't call us and then send us. God calls us and then goes with us in that calling. And when we're consciously aware of God's presence right here with us, if we're consciously aware that, that in our obedience we're walking side by side, with hand in hand with God himself, then you know what? Those giants that seem to be so big suddenly look a lot smaller compared to the bigness of God. And those giants that seem so powerful suddenly seem a lot weaker compared to God's power. The presence of God gives Joshua the courage to go, to lead Israel into the promised land, to face those giants, to face his fears. And you know what happens? When Joshua goes obediently with God, you know what happens is that the Jordan River stops flowing at flood stage and the whole nation walks across on dry ground. And you know what happens when he goes with God? The walls of Jericho come crumbling down. And when Joshua goes with God, the sun stands still to give more daylight so victory can be won. And when Joshua goes with God, kings are defeated and cities are captured and the land flowing with milk and honey is given to the people of God just as God promised. And what seems to be impossible becomes possible when he walks with God. And what seems to be impossible to us is made possible for us when we go with God. Do you believe that? Truly, do you believe that? Which brings us back to Paul. 
Paul, who, like Joshua, had the courage to go, despite his fears, despite the giants that threatened him, and those giants were big, he went for God's purposes. He obediently followed God's direction for success, and he always walked hand in hand with God. He had the courage to go and the courage to keep on going. And then he invites us to join him in Romans 8.31. He reminds us of the courage we can have when he says, if God is for us, who can stand against us? If God is on your side, then those giants become tiny. Don't make them bigger than they are. Don't let them be, don't let them freeze you. Don't let them make you afraid because you're going with God. God is for us. Who can stand against us? I have no doubt, zero doubt, that God has given a calling to every single one of us here. Some kind of calling to go in some way for some purpose, for some person to grow his kingdom. We all are a part of it. There's no question about the calling. There's no question about the fears that come with that calling, the fears that threaten to paralyze us, the fears that so often hold us back. The only question that is still out there is will we be strong and courageous? Will we be obedient to that calling? Will we dive in? Or are we going to stand on the edge of the deep end and say, no, the water's too deep, too cold, too scary, too risky, too iffy, the price is too high, will we stand on the edge and say, no, I'm not going to go? Or will we say, God, you said jump in. You said I'd be okay. You said you'd be there with me. That's enough. I'll go. You know, for some of you this morning, God's message here was one of affirmation. You have stood on the side, and maybe with great fear and trembling, you heard God's voice, and you said, I'll go. And you jumped in, and you are busy living out that calling for God. Hear God's well done spoken to you. Hear God's celebration as he walks with you on that kingdom adventure. And for others of us here, it's an invitation. I think God's already in the pool. He's already in the deep end. He's saying, jump, my child. Jump, I'll catch you. Let's swim together. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for calling us. Some of us have not opened our ears to that calling yet. We've not opened up our hearts. Maybe we've heard your calling and we've already said no. We've already said, God, anything but that. Maybe we've heard your calling and we've said, that, that's too scary. That's too much. I can't do it. The giants are too big. Father, help us to hear your calling and to hear your promise that comes right along with that calling. The promise of your purpose, the promise of of your walking with us every step along the way, the promise of your presence 
and the promise that obedience to you is the path to fullness and wholeness and true joy in life. And please, God, give us courage. Give us courage to jump into the deep end. Give us courage to say yes, even when we're we're afraid. Even when it comes with a cost. And I thank you above all, Father, that you don't just send us, but that where you call us, you walk with us, and you go with us every step along the way. And you promise that your power is stronger than the power of those giants that are so good at scaring us. So, Father, as a congregation, As individuals, old and young, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill us with courage to say yes and to dive in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me, please? Worship team, would you come forward? We're going to respond in song, a song that declares that our God is great and our God is strong and we are going to walk with the God who holds all the power